Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Meet me in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 8. Is it me or is it a little dim in here? Can we get a little bit more light? Uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. I think it's much better now. 34 to 38. Mark 8, 34 verses and 38. Let's read one verse taking turns, all right? This is a reading of God's Word. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen. Church, would you just bow your heads with me in prayer before we begin? God, we thank you. God, we thank you for your abundant grace. We thank you for your unending love upon us, Lord. Even when we are full of mistakes, God, even when our lives are laden with uh, regrets, shortcomings, Lord, God, you never fail to amaze us in the way that you draw us back to you. God, we pray for the same love and grace today to compel us to this road onto discipleship. God, May we understand what it means to take up our crosses, Lord. May we understand what it means to deny ourselves of our own pleasures and our own desires, even our own comfort, Lord, so that we may be faithful, even more faithful in following you. Give us not only ears to hear, but hearts to receive all that you're ready to convey. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Every generation throughout history of mankind, I believe, has had an obstacle in the way that they struggled, in, in, in the way they connected with God. I believe every generation, is there's a marked thing that has slowed them, that has impeded them in the ways that can be faithful and be diligent in their pursuit of God. Again, I'm not that much older than you guys. I'm not so old that I can speak on behalf of multiple generations. I can only account for and testify on behalf of the generations that I have seen and I have experienced uh, in limited ways. So I'm going to try my best to cover four generations. This is what I have seen and, and what the people of each generation has struggled with. And the first generation that I would uh, refer to are the boomers. I don't think there's any, I don't see any boomers in this room. Some of you guys have boomer tendencies, but none of you guys are actually of representative of the boomer generation. And when I look back and studying a little bit lightly, history and sociology, they, their generation was really marked by this, this pursuit of pleasure. 
So uh, sex, drugs, rock and roll, let's, you know, the hippie movement was kind of the marquee thing of that generation. So there was a, in, all throughout the 60s and 70s, there was a great avenue of, man, this is available for us. Let's go crazy. Let's enjoy. I don't even know if I'm making the correct references, but let's just go for it, man. And, there's a, and we have seen that. That has caused a tremendous challenge for, for them and, and deciphering the social uh, 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 kind of a trend and, and the way that, man, how do we now connect with God? How do we uh, concede and forego these things are so pleasurable to us? I think the boomer generation. Now, Generation X, which I believe I am Generation X and, and some of you guys in this room as well. Uh, even though you guys are denying. Generation X, again, I'm no expert. I think when I look back, I think greed. I think pursuit of success, pursuit of wealth at all costs, and, and sacrificing. This is a remnant of the boomer generation as well. Working hard, but you sacrifice families. You, you, you sacrifice relationships at the prospect of getting an edge and getting ahead I think greed, pursuit of money, security, that has kind of pervaded our spirituality. And that begins to become a very uh, prominent stronghold that gets in the way of our relationship with God. Now, I'm really uh, treading the, the territories of the unknown. I'm certainly not an expert here. The millennials, which I think most of, this gener most of the people that are in this room, again, the, these terms and these are just my observation. I think when I perceive this generation, I think um, what this generation struggles the most is could be that loss of clarity that gets in the way of their relationship with God. Loss of clarity. What do, what do I mean by that? I see more and more people struggling with shaky foundation, dealing with different opinions and tendencies and, 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 and uprising and an increase of influences and voices and validation of rights and, and, and all of these things. I think as Christians, we, get, we struggle so much with grasping onto what is ultimately true, what is ultimately relevant for me. And I see more and more people struggling that gets in the way of their spirituality. Now, that was... Any chance of me having a relationship and connection to the generation. Now, I'm going to speak on behalf of the Gen Z. Do we have any Gen Zs here? One person celebrating, and the rest of you old folks are wondering, we have Gen Z people in here? <laughs> <laughs> and why, why is Daniel not celebrating? That's, that's beyond me. He's in denial. Only your wife is? Okay, I believe you're the same age. I think Gen Z, they're, what they're struggling may be, again, uh, comfort and convenience. Did you know that this generation has access to more information and convenience than any other generation? Not, not only that, did you know that this generation has access to more information than all of the prior generations combined? Did you know that this generation is the most Efficient generation of all time. The resourceful, the most resourceful, arguably the smartest. I think so. I have no, hard, no qualms about admitting that. And they're just so crap.
crafting, configuring solutions for the problems that we are encountering. I'm one of those guys now. When I look at an app, when I look at it, I mean, I have to physically look apart like this. I have to ask my son how things work. This generation has so much, I mean, convenience. I mean, Uber was, I mean, I don't, you guys use Uber? Uber, DoorDash, Uber Eats, um, Amazon one-day shipping delivery, Amazon one-day, some of you guys are freaking out, one-day return, same-day return. That, that might go away. I'm hearing rumors. That's going to mess us up. I mean, think about all the things that we are experiencing convenience that helps us with the ease of life. Check-ins, online services, we are more clever than ever, more resourceful than ever before. It, 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 I mean, witnessed, I mean, we witnessed this during COVID as well, how the churches pivoted, how the society pivoted. I mean, it's just incredibly, incredibly smart, efficient. But sometimes comfort and convenience get in the way of us experiencing God because sometimes, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to go. I mean, I'm a pastor too, guys. It was hard for me to adjust back. During COVID, I just came here one hour, preach in front of the thing, go. I have the whole day for the rest of us. No more invites. Oh, did I just give myself <laughs> no invites? Hey, that's an introvert in me, okay? I'm not a hater, but... No invites, no social gatherings. I don't have to be obligated to all of these things. But, and I think I, I, feel, I, I feel my own self struggling when my convenience is, is being risked. If my comfort is being compromised, when we are driving, we want to ensure like we are comfortable. We know everything that is going to happen. And I think you and I, you may not, uh, I mean, you and I are actually addicted to comfort and convenience. And I can't pull up all the stats to you, but how dependent are we on our devices? How dependent are we and, and how, how committed are we dictating the terms of our lives that benefits us? that is most convenient to us, that makes most sense to us. And I bring this up because I think, and the crazy challenging thing is, every generation, you're bound to see the remnants of the, of the prior generation. So the Generation Z right now, you guys are actually inhibiting all of the signs of the past generations. So that's, this is why as, life, as you live your life longer and longer, it gets even more difficult because you're combating all of these challenges that are prevalent uh, right in front of us. Comfort and convenience. And I wonder, and our pursuit and our familiarity and our desire and our craving and longing for Comfort and convenience, how that affects our call to follow Jesus in the way that you and I were made to follow. Let me just share a, a brief backdrop of the conversation that Jesus is having 
with his disciples. At first, it's just Jesus and the 12 disciples. And an apostle, uh, not an apostle, he's not, well, Peter kind of brings up this question. Uh, Jesus, do you know that there's a chatter about, there's a murmuring going around among the people? They're wondering who you are. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. I mean, all understandable que- I mean, questions. Uh, John the Baptist, because he had ministered in the same time as Jesus. Elijah, because Elijah is one of two men that had never experienced death, that it may be in a, in a not even resurrected form, in a reappearance form, because you can't resurrect if you never die. So some are saying that you're Elijah, that you return. Some are saying you're a prophet. Well, that's understandable too, because 430 years without a messenger from God, and they had been longing for a sign from the Lord. Some are saying that you're a prophet. And Jesus says, well, Peter, that's a legit question, but who do you say that I am? He says, Jesus, you're the Messiah. And Jesus probably felt very good and proud. He's like, oh, that's right. And, and according to Matthew, because upon that confession, I will build my church. A huge affirmation. You would think that would be great, right? What Jesus goes on to talk about is, well, by the way, I'm going to die. I, I, there's a mission that I came for. And part of the mission is that I'm going to suffer greatly. I'm going to encounter hardships, and I'm going to die. And we didn't read this part. This is what it's conveyed. Apostle Peter hearing Jesus explaining about his, the remainder of his life, the Bible tells us that Jesus pulls, uh, Peter pulls Jesus aside, and he rebukes him. Yes, no misprint there. A Paul, a Peter pulls Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him, probably went something like this. Hey, man, Jesus, you don't talk like that. Jesus, you're the teacher. You don't want to say these things. You don't even know what's going to happen. Please don't talk like that. And Jesus, in response to Peter's comments and, and rebuking him, says, get behind me, Satan. Very awkward conversation. What started as a very pleasant, good question, star student, and all of a sudden, we're accusing Jesus. All of a sudden, Jesus is rebuking Satan out of Peter. Very bizarre. And Jesus felt the need to clarify further. The scriptures tell us that he collected the disciples and he collected the larger crowds around them, and he begins to explain. Then he says, whoever wishes to follow after me... You must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Jesus says that. And he kind of lays out a template that the road to discipleship, road to becoming more and more like Jesus, was going to be very, very difficult. Three portions right there. He says you must deny yourself. The word deny means what? To disavow any connections with something, to state that you are not connected in any way with whatsoever is in, whatever is in view. Meaning, if you want to be after me, if you want to be about me, you want to make sure that you're not about you. And when you are ready to deny yourself, then you take up your cross and follow me. Jesus was basically saying, whatever that I'm going to encounter and the death that I'm about to encounter, that is what is expected of you. 
Now, when most people read this passage, when I read this passage, I took it as literally. I thought the better Christian that you were, you were better Christian, better Christian meant that your willingness to die, your willingness to accept physical death, I thought in my young Christian age, that defined spiritual maturity. That defined a better understanding of this passage. Now, now entertain with me. What do you think, how do you interpret this passage reading this verse today? What do you think, personally, taking up the cross, denying yourself, and following him? What does that mean for you? I think Jesus may have meant, I think the physical death is just one component. Your literal death, physical death, is just one component of what Jesus may have alluded to. I think here... Jesus is talking about you have to concede the right or the power to decide for yourself how your life shall be, how you are going to live your life. Your right as a human being, Jesus is saying, now you got to surrender that if you want to be my disciple. And that has far more implications than your physical death. Jesus is saying, can you surrender your comfort? Can you surrender your convenience? Can you inconvenience yourself for the sake of you living in the way that I'm calling you to live from now on? I don't know what's more difficult, guys. You know, in fact, I have a testimony. Um, I had been, I, I was saved at the age of 16, 17, and by the age of 23, uh, 25, I, I read this one biography about a missionary at the age of 26. He was martyred in somewhere in Ecuador, and, and, and my life was completely changed. And I know that this is not true of every Christian or even pastor. It's not even a pastor thing. It had to be some kind of uh, God's providential way of, of raising me or grooming me in this way. And I read that biography, and I remember saying, this is the life that I want to live. And my time was kick, ticking. Because I was 25 at the time when I read the book, I was, the, the man died at 26. God, and I literally kid you not, I said, God, I need to die as soon as possible. God, I want to be a martyr for you. God, I, want, I need to be, and then begin to, I begin to be lost in this concept of like, God, where can I go and die for Jesus? And during that time, I, I went through the personal transformation of I tried, I didn't have much, but I, I gave all of my value, I gave all of my clothes away. I'm going to live this life because I'm a dead man walking right now. It's just a matter of time that I'm going to, if God allows me, I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to die. Die for Jesus. I begin to read books on martyrdom. You know, Fox is a book of martyr. You guys ever heard of that? And I begin to learn history and I begin to survey. Like, I don't know why, again, I don't know why this happened, but I, that was in my space. So finally, an opportunity, again, an opportunity or God's calling, and it was an opportunity for me to join in missions, you know, of all places in the country of Afghanistan. And while everyone was concerned, while everyone was, was my parents particularly were, were freaking out and, and stuff, guess what? I could not be happier. I surveyed the map. I was like, that's one place that had the greatest chance of dying for Jesus. And that's my prayer, 
right? And I'm going, I'm like, I, I, another story I'll tell you when I have time. My dream was crushed on my boat ride, little ferry ride to cross the border. Because I was like, someone, some old missionaries, they asked me, young man, what are you doing here? He said, I'm here to die for Jesus. And he just squashed me like a little fly. You? Why? What's so special about you? You're going to die for Jesus? That's not going to happen. Anyways, so I thought, I thought I was going to be, I, I, I was going to die for Jesus. And what I would experience in the land was anything but my physical, my physical life was actually less threatened. Yeah, kidnapping, bombs exploding. Yeah, okay, but I think God was very particular about preserving my physical life. But, but it, it's crazy, like, do you know what the bigger challenge was? Do you know what my cross was? And I realized quickly that it wasn't my life, that God was going to do his best. He was going to ensure me that I was going to be safe and well. But when I think about it, what was, more, what was the cross, what was the death that I was, God had prepared for me in that land was enduring all the changes of my surrounding, conceding all that was familiar to me, all of a lack of accessibility to my relationships. I could not see my family. I could not see my friends. You know, video chat, I, I think it existed. But you're getting like very, actually, didn't even work. One place in the whole city where, it had, where they had internet. I mean, I was robbed of all my familiar relationships. It meant dealing with loneliness. I, I had my first experience of um, depression. I, I suffered insomnia while I was there. So think about all of these things. Um, not having electricity at record pace at 1.49 days, right? Not having access to the restaurants, not having access to good food, uh, the retail stores. It also meant enduring mistreatment of the, uh, of the Afghan nationals. You know, it was like junior high all over again. People making faces. You know, you walk by, ching, ching, chong, like they're playing, you know, all these things. Like, and, and people making, like, rude comments. And, you know, next thing you know, like about a year, two years into it, my wife is joining me. And all of these ridicules. And you learn the language eventually, right? But the thing is, you, you know, sometimes it's beneficial that you don't understand what people are saying about you. Because when you hear it, you get triggered. When you get triggered and, we, you, and you're not mature, right, like me, what do you do? You get in fights. That's not what you want to do as a missionary. But, but these are the challenges, uh, challenges. These are the things that I had to wrestle through. When you're being wrongly accused of something, when things of you, valuables are being stolen from you, taken from you, and the conviction that you have in your heart is like, don't say anything back. Don't take it back. Don't demand it. And Jesus, day after day, he would remind me, Scott, I'm going to keep you alive. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to sustain you to be strong so that you may live for me and bear witness of who I am. At a certain point, as troubles of these encounters grew, 
at moments, I honestly, I say, God, just, this is more difficult, I think. Sometimes we feel this way. What you would have to endure as a faithful, committed follower of Jesus will be more difficult than enduring the physical death itself. Jesus says, the only way that you truly live for me is only way that you bear testimony of who I am is if you're a dead man, dead woman walking, that your rights, that you have denounced yourself unto the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's God, I am no longer mine. I don't dictate. I don't decide the terms of my life. Jesus, you do. God, I'm conceding all of the things that I think rightfully belongs to me. When I read that today, I'm looking at you guys. Maybe some of you, I doubt, we don't anticipate ever in the course of our lifetime that our physical lives will be surrendered to Jesus. I think what may be more challenging to you and me in this generation and this era is that can you relinquish your comfort? Can you inconvenience yourself in the way that you live for the agendas and the desires of your Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus is asking, can you do this for me? Will you do this for me? Can you concede that, uh, can you concede so that my voice and my ways can dictate the terms of your life? I really believe for you and I to successfully live our Christian life, God is literally has, God literally has to uncuff us from the things that we have been comfortable with. If you make it your life goal to be comfortable, if you live your life and your goal in life, your focus in life is that, man, you prioritize convenience, I'm going to say this, you will never, ever experience Jesus. Because the terms of engagement, the rules of engagement when Jesus ministered 2,000 years ago, you're going to follow me. And he says, you're going to live exactly the way that I have lived. For anybody else, that's an unfair proposition. For any other rabbi to demand that out of the pupils and the disciples, that would have been a false teaching. But Jesus, he was simply doing he was simply calling others to follow while he himself was following the call. He himself was already committed to the life of self-denouncement. He himself was already committed to the road of, you know what? I'm not living for comfort. I'm, not, I'm forgoing my right as the king. I'm forgoing my rights as God. And Jesus says, 
follow me in this way. So you and I, we are going to get even more uncomfortable. Guess what? You better be comfortable being uncomfortable. When I read Mark chapter 8 today, when I read about the cost of following Jesus, this is what I think it means for you and me today. Compassion will take you out of convenience. Loving somebody in the way that Jesus calls us to love will take you out of convenience. Prioritizing service and living for others will take you out of convenience. Guess what? I, when I look back these past few weeks, these past few weeks, when VBS happened, guess what? People were coming. I, I, I mean, I work here. I'm, I'm the only one that should be here on church campus. Well, a couple of other staff here and there. You know, Tuesday we have more staff. And, but throughout the, every day, I look at people. Everyone was coming to church, carving out, their, out of their busy work schedule, unless they were playing hooky and they were doing shady stuff with their work. Because they were here like early morning, and I wouldn't see them until like, it's like time for me to go home, but they're still st sticking around. Really uncomfortable, by the way. And I see them. Like, what's driving them? Why are they doing this? And I see the ways that they're inconveniencing, inconveniencing themselves. Some of them bringing their own kids to work, volunteer. It's incredible. Convenience, being fully just surrender for Jesus. And I want to tell you, if we want to fulfill the calling of God in our life as a church or as a Christian even, we have to understand that there is going to be a cost. And that cost is, going to, is not going to be you dying for Jesus. I tell you what. Jesus is not certainly going to ask you now, can you give your life? Today's going to be the last day. I highly doubt that. Instead, Jesus is asking, can you inconvenience yourself for me? Can you make yourself available for me? Can you move out of compassion in the way that you are dealing with the needy? Can you give your two hours of free time. Can you three hours of free time? Can you inconvenience yourself so that you could attend to ministry? Some of you young moms here, we call it the golden. I think, I think we need to upgrade the terms. It's not even the golden. It's a diamond hour. You know what I'm talking about? Anywhere from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. when your youngest born is, is fed, changed, and going to sleep, you're like, man. My job, my day is done today. From 8.30 to 10, or however long it takes you to fall asleep, God says, you know what? I have an assignment for you. I have a job for you. I want you to think about it. Actually, I'm calling you to lead a small prayer group for the ladies at church. Somebody gets nervous. It's got to stop talking about it. Would you be able to surrender that time unto the Lord? I'm speaking for myself. 
Yeah, the vacation days that you have from your workplaces, the arrangements that you have, and you deserve every single one of them, every hour of your vacation hours. And God comes to you and says, well, Scott, I, I have something else cooked up for you. Would you make yourself available? Would you use up your vacation days? Would you join me at work in reaching out to certain people? Would you do that? Would you spend three days of your vacation time? Would you join me in missions somewhere hot in Arizona? Would you join me to go to Mexico? Even monetarily too. You're saving up. Of course, you, you, heard, you earned every single penny that you, I get it. What if God is continuing to prompting us and we refuse to listen to the inner voices of God because we refuse to concede comfort and convenience? And we box ourselves in. So spirituality is what we have drawn up. Discipleship is what we are comfortable with. We have rewritten the rules of engagement. And that looks completely different than the one that Jesus has written up for me. This day, this morning, I'm certainly not asking for volunteers. I'm not certainly not asking, say, hey, let's go die for Jesus. and Let's go back to Afghanistan. Well, I think I would go now. I should go now. There's a greater chance. I'm totally down, by the way. But I think about what discipleship means in modern day. I think about the proper way of living for Jesus. None of these things can happen unless we are rightfully and willingly saying, God, I concede my ways to you. Convenience is not bad. But understand that don't let convenience rob you of your calling. You cannot fulfill your calling and live in convenience. You cannot have compassion and be addicted to convenience. You cannot be mature spiritually and be addicted to convenience. Because the first thing that God will have you to do is that he will allow your life is that to break you out of your convenience. And you and I have to uh, confront Day after day, the comfort and convenience that we are surrounded by. Where God is calling you to be necessitates you to leave. Where God wants to transform you and grow you will necessitate you to leave the place of familiarity. God may call you to say, you know what, I am relocating you. Some of us physically. Some of us, God is saying, calling you, I want you to stand up. I want you to speak up. I want you to reach out. I want you to concede. I want you to give. I want you to serve. I want you to sacrifice. So long as we prioritize being comfortable we will never be able to live for Jesus. Today, I encourage you, I extol you, 
I rally this congregate, you, all of you together, that as Christ calls us, when he says, if you want to come after me, deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. May you and I have the audacity, even out of curiosity, to see what would happen if we actually did. May you have the courage to say, God, my life is no longer mine. I do not have any rights of my own. God, would you teach me? Would you let me know? God, I want to be familiar with your voice. God, give me the courage to do what is right in your eyes. Help me to move out of the place that I have comfortably built if that so gets in the way of your calling for my life. If I have to start over in something, come on somebody, how often do we hesitate because we, there is nothing worse than starting over something that you have poured in so much energy. You know, I went through college where auto data, I, I, I'm a floppy disk generation person. I'm an old guy. You don't know how many times I had to rewrite my essays. I used to not like writing. There's nothing worse than restarting something that you have invested so much of your time and effort. But what if God says, son, it's time. The way you have been doing things is certainly not the way that I'm calling you to do. Let's do it again. You know what we do? We, we shudder. We fear. We say, God, no way. Tell me to do something else. But this one that I've been working on, I can't walk away from. What if God is saying, right now, scrap it. Let's do it over because you have done it. I have never asked you to do it. You know the crazy thing is the stress and the pain that you're living in right now? Some of us, it's because of the result of something that God had never released you to do that. Does that make sense? God is saying, it's time for you to start again with me. Trust me. Lean into me. Stop catering to your own comfort, your own convenience. Today, we as people of God, when we take the first step saying, God, here I am. Would you lead me? I'll do whatever in me that I can do everything and anything through you. Would you just close your eyes real quick? Let, let, let's take a moment to pray. You know, when, when given the opportunity, I will share some of the practical ways that we can confront our uh, uh, struggle with comfort and convenience. For some of us, we are considered inconvenient to say sorry. For some of us, convenience and comfort has kept us from telling the truth. And for some of us, convenience and comfort have 
kept us from admitting how much pain you're experiencing. Some of us, has, we have never admitted how afraid and how scared we have been. And for some of us, we have never really been intimated in the ways of Jesus because we keep drawing boundaries. We keep outlining the life. And we talked about this this past week. If you want to walk on water, you got to first get out of the boat. And we have kept Jesus inside the box that we have created. Because that's convenient. Because that's comfortable for us. Friends, I just simply encourage you today and challenge you at the same time. It's time to concede. It's time to lean into Jesus a little more. It's time to coincide and converge of our confession of Jesus being our Lord and our lives accurately testifying of that confession. So Jesus, we, this morning, we confess that you are the Messiah. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for delivering us from our sins. We understand that you have not only saved us from our sins, but you have saved us for the life where you are the leading voice, where you are the decider of our lives. And God, in an age where we are introduced to systems, devices, everything that points us towards convenience and comfort. us to be committed to you. Help us to live a life of obedience unto you. Help us to be more daring than we have been thus far. And may your grace lead us. As broken as we are, God, I know that you have given us the power. love you so much. 
trust you in all of our days. Thank you. In your precious name we pray.